Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to call in the ancestors. I call out to your father's father's line. I call out to your mother's father's line. I call out to your mother's mother's line and your father's mother's line. I call out to all of those people who lived well and died well, all those who bring the legacy to us the wisdom of those who have gone before us. I call out to these ancestors to stand round us here today. I call out to these ancestors whenever it is that you hear these words, wherever you are, alone or with others. I call out to the ancestors to surround you, to encircle you, to bring to you the wisdom of those who have gone before you, that you might be wise in the decisions that you make today. I call out to the earth below the deep and ancient ancestral energy of the earth, the planet. We call out to this energy. We give thanks to her in our gratitude for life, our gratitude for home, our gratitude for the simple fact that without the wonder of her dreaming, none of us would be here now doing whatever it is that we are doing. We give thanks to the earth for a place to belong, for the interconnection of all things, for those we are connected to through our awareness and those we are connected to that are outside of our awareness. We give thanks for the web of life that keeps all things moving, keeps all things healing and changing and growing. We give thanks to the earth for this place that we might know this miracle of life and live it. So we plant our feet firmly into the earth in gratitude for our life, We give thanks to the ancestors standing round and we reach up from our hearts and minds all the way up through the sky into the cosmos and all the way to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call that power, call it down. Call the energy of the sky above the true young energy. Call this energy down into your life, into your body, into your very being. Draw this energy in. Let it merge with the energy of the earth and bring you into perfect balance for this day. We call out to these energies and give thanks to the sky above and the earth below and the ancestors circled round. And now we call out to the power of the heart within ourselves. We call out to that energy for in its uniqueness, it is able to merge the passions of the belly, the place where we know why we are here, the place that holds the longing and the desire for this unique life. The heart can take that fire and hold it and allow us to bring in the wisdom, the vision, the innovation, the creativity of the mind to shape that fire that we might know in this day from our true and deep passions, our true and deep inspirations, why we are here and use this day to make that soul's purpose manifest. So we give thanks to all of these spirit energies gathered around us and all those we have not named. May what needs to be heard today be spoken. And may what needs to be spoken today be heard. We give thanks for the blessings of life. And we give thanks to Mark 
We give thanks to William, Emily, and Louise, and all of the listeners who have donated recently to this show. This show is available free to all those who have access to a computer. And this show is kept going by those who donate. Every dollar donated goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And this is shamanism at its most fundamental, to allow yourself to be moved. And when your heart is moved, to act, to extend that energy, to keep the flow of the energy of the heart, the flow of the things that matter, the things that have meaning to you, to keep that flow going in the world. So if you are moved by this show, feel free to go online to the whyshamanismnow.com site, click the support button, the donate button, and offer whatever, no matter how humble or grand, every single dollar is deeply appreciated. Thank you for keeping this show available for those who today are not able to offer anything. Shamanism is equally available to those with and those without because it is available to humans, because we are humans here on this planet. The spirits are here with us. So shamanism is equally available, and I ask those of you who are flush to support those who are not because there will come a day when the tables will turn, maybe not in this life, but as things go round. So let the energy of the heart flow. Let the show keep going. Today is an interesting topic, an odd topic perhaps, but one that touches many people at this time. Today we are talking about the feast in loneliness. I live in the Pacific Northwest aspect area of um, North America. And this is a part of the world that has five seasons. And most of them here in Oregon are rainy. It is a temperate rainforest. And yet somehow with the rains that come as we start moving into fall through the harvest and in, into the fall time, I notice that people around me begin to feel lonely an interesting thing but I also noticed this when I lived in Manhattan which was a very different climate very sunny and not anywhere near as much rain and yet as fall sat or they people sat in fall they became lonely and there are very logical ideas about why this might be because in the past this would be a time of harvest, a time of celebration, a time of coming together, of setting up the stores, of beginning to get ourselves organized for the winter. And this is probably true. Probably in some deep ancestral knowing in our bones, we realize that this is a time that we should be sharing with others, that we should be preparing for the winter ahead with others, that it is a time of community and um, getting ready, getting ready for the winter ahead. And that may well be true. However, it's not what most people experience today. What I see people experiencing today, frankly, is loneliness. And I'm not so sure it wasn't present in the past because I think that what is going on at this time, as we, as we walk the wheel of the seasons and we come into the fall, that we see the winter on the horizon and what we see in the winter is the time of the return, the time of going within, the time of paying what is due to that yin energy that has been ignored all year, the time to attend to our deficiency and depletion inside in our own energy, the time that Westerners at least try deeply to avoid. 
And this is, I think, why loneliness surfaces at this time, is it is that beginning voice within us that says to our heart, yeah, now is the time. Now is the time to turn within. Now is the time to pay back for all that you have expended through this year. Now is the time to attend to the parts of yourself you have ignored. So I think this is why loneliness surfaces for many at this time. But what if loneliness was a feast? What if loneliness was not diagnosable? What if the fact that we feel lonely was not in and of itself considered a problem? What if it was not considered an undesired feeling that we wanted to go away? What if loneliness itself pointed to desire? What if a passionate affair with your loneliness was the path to deep union? So commonly we say things like this about loneliness. I picked a few that I particularly liked from the internet. Loneliness is an estrangement from oneself and from others, a feeling of alienation, even in the midst of others. I've felt that before. I've felt that loneliness. Loneliness is an incredible intensity and pain that obliterates the memory of past relationships and spills over into the future. Sure. Those are beautiful definitions or explanations of loneliness. Loneliness is different. It means different things to different people. For some, loneliness is a feeling. For others, it's a condition. So what if we understood loneliness simply as the self out of alignment with the heart's desire? What if that's all loneliness was? It wasn't a condition. It wasn't diagnosable. You weren't mentally ill. You weren't depressed. You weren't all of these other things that we have pharmaceuticals for. What if loneliness simply said to you there in your heart, hello, you're out of alignment with the things that matter most to you, the things that you desire. What if loneliness was an invitation, not a problem? So before we go much further, perhaps we should explore what heart's desire means. Desire is such a simple word made so complex in America, at least. So what do the spirits mean? What do the helping spirits mean when they say to me in a journey that loneliness is the self out of alignment with the heart's desire? What do they mean by heart's desire? So heart's desire is the desire that is present deep in your heart no matter the circumstances of your life. No matter how happy you are in the moment, no matter how much your momentary needs and wants are being met, that the desire still burns there. The desire of the heart takes no substitutes. The desire of the heart is what I see burning in addicts when they talk to me about their addiction and how they feed a hole that won't be filled. The thing takes no substitutes. The desires of the heart arise from the soul and the fact that the soul came here with a need and that need is to live your destiny. I didn't design it, people, but that is the plan. That is the energetic reality of our human existence, that we are unique in our destiny. 
As humans, we're all very much the same. There is nothing unique in our suffering and there is nothing unique in our loneliness. In our soul's desire, in our heart's desire, in the reason we are here, in our destiny, we are absolutely and completely unique. And this soul comes burning for that destiny. And it is your task as a human to find the way, to find the way to live that destiny. There are uncountable ways to live that destiny, but the destiny itself must be lived. And this is what heart's desire burns for, not people, not things. Heart's desire burns for why you are here, the manifestation of your soul's destiny. So loneliness is perhaps one of your best friends. Loneliness is pointing you to the feast of your heart's desires. Imagine your heart's desires laid out there, a great, a great feast on the table in the center of your heart. And what if loneliness was the friend that tapped you on the shoulder as you were busy texting away or talking to people on Facebook or working too much or freaking out because you don't have a job and you wish you were working. What if loneliness was that friend that came and tapped you on the shoulder and gestured to the open door, to the feast on the table, unattended, the feast growing cold, languishing, uneaten, abandoned there within our hearts? What if Loneliness was your friend. So before I go much further on this track, I want to acknowledge those of you who are listening who are suffering in your loneliness, and right now you'd like to punch me in the face. I want to acknowledge that. That this show is not meant to dismiss or insult anyone in their experience, their suffering, and their pain. What I hope is that this show will give you a different way to experience that pain. A way that is not ultimately a dead end. A way that is not ultimately the same dead end you have walked down many times before. My hope is the show will give you a way to experience your pain that is not a repeating loop, bringing you back to the same place again and again. My hope is that this show is a path to something else some other way to unfold what loneliness brings to you. In my practice, I have noticed a disturbing migration of people's presenting issues. Over the past 15 years, in, um, there has been a correspondence with the change in people's presenting issues when they come to me for a session and the rise of antidepressants. And I don't think that this... This is a coincidence. So over these years, the complaint that I used used the complaint used to be: I feel sad, or I feel depressed, and I don't want to feel that way anymore, or I feel lonely, and I don't want to feel that way anymore. I want to find a partner in life. Um, The complaint is: I feel unworthy because people have been in therapy and they have paid attention. They do know what was at the root of their problem, and they want it changed. That's how it used to be twenty years ago. But this has changed, and what I'm finding more and more is that these complaints have coalesced into one single complaint. The problem people are presenting is, I feel. 
I don't want to feel. And though I may be one very small voice in the great contemporary pharmaceutically induced storm, I know that I have the force of spirit and the Tao behind me. Feeling is not pathology. The desire to not feel is a contemporary contrivance. The idea that somehow there is some optimum state of balance in which there is no feeling, no response, no engagement with your life. We must feel to be whole. We must feel to be whole. We must feel to be well. There is no other way. To feel is not pathological. To feel bad is not pathological. To feel wholly and completely like crap day in and day out is not pathological. To feel numb and feel nothing is not pathological. To acknowledge your feelings is to take a real step into the real energies of your life. You can choose not to like those feelings and to want to change them. But the fact of them is not necessarily pathology. These feelings speak of your inner truth, an inner truth that has been ignored, like the feast of your heart's desires there on the table, waiting for you to attend. Refusing to feel is a distancing from what is real. And what is real is what will heal us. Dealing, attending, connecting with, being with what is real is the cure, is the way. To distance ourselves from that is to step away from the medicine, to step away from the heart, and to step away from your destiny. To feel is to be reminded that you have a heart. To feel lonely is to be reminded that you are simply out of alignment with the desires of that heart. You're not sick. You're not pathological. There's nothing wrong except in this moment of loneliness, you are out of alignment with the true desires in your heart. So how do we make that step from the deep darkness of feeling lonely into that feast of the desires of the heart? How do you cross that threshold? Courage. This begins by having the courage to feel. Okay, where does that come from? This first little bit, this first little mouthful, this first little swallow of courage and willingness to hitch up your britches and think differently. This first little bit of courage comes from reminding yourself that you are not a child. Thus, you are not your emotions. You are an adult having emotions. More so, you are an energy being of infinite potential, focusing that potential on the fact that you feel like crap. Okay, you are an energy being of infinite potential, focusing that potential on the fact that you feel lonely. So now that you are an energy being focusing on a feeling, now you and your feelings have a breadth of separation. 
and that's good. And that takes courage to step away in a sense without denying or disengaging from your feelings, but to step away enough to know you are not your feelings. You need to be a person with enough distance to feel them. To be them is not feeling them. And this is one of the greatest acts of courage in a contemporary American world, at least, where codependent behavior is the name of the day. You are not your emotions. To feel them is different than becoming them. And that distinction is critical. That is your first place of courage. So remember, you are an energy being, no matter how bad you feel. doesn't matter how you feel. Good, bad, in, out, doesn't matter. You are an energy being at all times. How you feel makes no difference. So be that energy being. That's the next place of courage to say, you know what? No matter how I feel in this moment, I'm an energy being. So let me remember that. Sit, stand. I suggest you don't lie down. These energies we're talking about have a lot to do with yin stagnation. So stand up or at least sit up and allow your awareness to drop from your tailbone down into the earth. Imagine your feet, not in shoes, not on the floor, but in the earth, your favorite earth. I don't care what earth. Pick your favorite earth. Maybe for you it's the desert. Maybe for you it's the mountains. Maybe for you it's the sand right at the shore of a warm ocean, digging your feet into that wet, scritchy sand. Maybe it's a forest. Maybe it's a meadow. I don't care. Pick the earth you love the most and put your feet into it in your mind. Extend your energy down into the earth and allow the essential energy of the earth to rise up and ground yourself. You are an energy being. Stand up into that on the earth, allowing your energy to ground and to be here now. doesn't matter how you feel. You still need to be grounded. Allow your awareness to extend out, to feel the nature around you. But Christina, I'm not in nature. I'm sitting in my office, skiving off at work today, listening to your show. Good for you. Imagine bigger than if your environment does not feel nourishing to you, extend beyond it in your mind. You can place whatever nature you want around you. It is out there somewhere. You can put mountains to the north, warm beaches to the south, deep forests in the west, and great high deserts in the east. Whatever you want, place nature around you and feel yourself surrounded by the energy, the transforming power, and the wisdom of nature. And to complete the energy being that you are at its most essential units, allow your energy to reach up, all the way up to the highest power of the universe. If you don't believe in deities and beings, just experience the warm energy of the sun above. Perhaps for you it's the great mystery. For some it's even the void. Reach in to that highest power by whatever name you know it by whatever understanding you know it, and draw that down 
drawing with it the energy of the sky, the energy of blessing and protection into your energy being. No matter how you feel, you are an energy being. And you can check out from that anytime you want to. Doesn't change the fact that you are an energy being. So let's step into it, connecting to the earth, grounding, connecting up to the sky, drawing the protection and the blessings in, connecting to nature around us and feeling our own boundaries, our own circumference, our own willingness to take space. And then allow your awareness to move in and feel the heart. Courage, number three. Feel your heart. Feel the beating, pulsing, juicy, red, mushy, muscular movement of your heart. Your heart is a wild thing. Feel your heart. And allow yourself to enter. Ask the heart for permission and enter into the very center of your heart and find that loneliness, that cold, dark, empty loneliness right there in the center of that beating, pulsing, bloody red heart, the loneliness. Don't let me describe your loneliness. Give it your own description. Feel it. How does your loneliness feel? How would you describe it? Colors? Qualities? For some people, their loneliness is so deep and so profound, it robs the breath. Feel your own loneliness with such intricacy, such curiosity, such openness that you can describe it perfectly. And know it in your own way. What is your loneliness made up of? Two part sadness, one part longing, one part emptiness. Maybe your loneliness has a little spice in it. Nobody else has. What is your loneliness made up of? And I guarantee you in the uniqueness of your loneliness, however it is that you feel it, there is longing. In loneliness, there is longing. Somewhere in the mix, there is longing. Longing reminds you of your destiny. Longing is always that, a reminder. You have a destiny. When are we going to get at it? That's what longing is. Just a reminder. You have a destiny. When are you going to get at it? This is a time, this, this time here in your heart, feeling the preciseness of your own loneliness is a time for uncovering your moments in the past where you lacked courage and to repair those moments. All of those moments that you didn't take the time to truly feel. Now is the moment to have the courage, courage number four, the courage to feel The courage to feel those parts of yourself that you didn't feel at the time. So here you are, a being of energy, sitting, standing, however, with your loneliness. Allowing your your loneliness to unfold like a dark flower 
in your heart. And as you behold that dark flower, you can ask, how is this flower, my loneliness, the path to my union? How is this flower, the path to my union? As the lotus of enlightenment exists because of its stem that reaches into the dark and the muck, quite frankly and honestly, the shit of other living beings, right? Just as the lotus of enlightenment exists because of its stem that reaches into the darkness and the muck, the flower of loneliness exists because of its stem that reaches into the bright ecstasy of union. Taoism reminds us of the energetic relationship of things, not how we wish they were, not what would be easier, not how we would like it to be. Taoism reminds us of how it is. Taoism always reminds us of the yin reality, the root of life. That which is not flashy or famous or attention grasping. The yin reality, the root life, the assistance of shade. Think how humble shade is and how welcome on a scorching day. Taoism reminds us of the forgotten, the unsung, and ultimately of the return the need to return and replenish at the deepest root of the self. Taoism reminds us that loneliness felt will guide us to the feast of the heart's desire. See, shamanism alone can be tricky in these challenging places in life. Shamanism alone can be tricky when we are in pain, when we are in fear, when we are lost in our emotions, when we have become our loneliness, when we have become our depression, when we have become our emotions, shamanism can be tricky. Because the helping spirits will answer any question you ask. But in your loneliness, you often ask the wrong question. In our loneliness, we often ask questions like, how do I end it? How do I get out of it? How do I make it stop? And these questions won't get you anywhere. Psychological questions largely won't get you anywhere. Psychology works best in therapy. Taoism changes the question. How does my loneliness loneliness lead me to the desire of my heart? That's a Taoistic question. Your helping spirits would love to answer that question for you. That would be an interesting answer. To act on that answer would take you onto the path. So what is that answer? How does your loneliness lead you to the desire of your heart? What would the spirits say? And once they've said it to you in your journey, take those first steps. Courage number five, I think, in our path here with loneliness. To attend to loneliness, to find the heart's desire takes courage, not because loneliness requires courage as a remedy, but because the heart requires courage to listen to. It is the heart that gives us courage, and it is the heart that requires it.
So how does your loneliness lead you to the desire of your heart? Longing reminds you of destiny. And there is always longing in loneliness. So what would you find on that path if you were to ask those questions? You would find you. If you truly had the courage, you would find you. All of the yous you are lonely for. The yous you've marginalized, the yous you shoved into the shadow, the yous lost in moments of soul loss. Loneliness is misalignment with the desires of the heart because tiny fragments of your heart are lost to you. So let these yous that you find along the path between your loneliness and the feast of your heart, let those yous set you straight. Remember, loneliness is misalignment. Let these yous be felt. Let them set you straight. Feel them. Talk to them. Listen to them. Let them join you in the feast. Celebrate each one you find along the path. Each time you ask, how does my loneliness lead me to the desire of my heart? There is another you that you've grown lonely for. Feel that you. Talk to that you. Listen to that you. Let the answers that you offers affect you. Let each of these yous join you in the feast in the heart. Celebrate each one. And in that way, you come to know yourself. Loneliness is the reflection of your loneliness for yourself. It's not about other people. It's about you. So how do we make this shift then from loneliness to solitude? How do we make the shift from the pain and alienation when we are stuck in our feelings of loneliness to this place of courage and reunion with the self that comes through solitude? Loneliness and solitude are both usually experienced alone, though not necessarily. So how do we make that shift? Feel whatever you find in that dark flower in your heart. Just feel it. Whatever parts make up that loneliness, whatever makes up your dark flower in the heart, find the longing in it. But do not force the longing into a definable want. Do not force the longing that you find into something small and nameable and purchasable. We're not talking about things that you want. Wants come from stories that we learn to tell ourselves. A story like, I am a woman, so I want a baby. Or I am a man, so I want success at all costs. These are stories. These are wants that come from stories. Longing is from the realm of myth, not story. So as you feel the dark flower in your heart and you feel the longing, you have the courage to feel the longing in it, what it tugs you toward. Do not force the longing into a definable need. 
Needs come from the story of your childhood and all the needs that were not met by others along the way. Longing comes from the realm of your soul, not the perceived limitations of a wounded child. So do not try to name and shape this longing in the heart into a want or a need that you can define, name, and gain control over. Let that longing take its true form, mythic and soulful. So you're there with this great dark flower, feeling the longing like a mist in the environment there in your heart with this great dark flower. And see off on the horizon your warrior self emerge from those mists of the longing in your heart. See that warrior self emerge out of the mists. Finally, you have come. Finally, you have left behind the rabble and riffraff of your life and come to this sacred meeting place. Finally, you have come into the heart, to the sacred meeting place of the dark flower, to meet the warrior in your heart. Finally, you come to meet the warrior in the heart of your longing. Like the tip of an iceberg, the warrior of your longing brings you to the depth and breadth of the desires of your heart. Now, this is the place where the courage is. Each small step of courage, the one, two, three, four, five, the courage to know that you're not a child and that you are not your emotions, the courage to feel, the courage to move along this path deeper and deeper into, deeper and deeper down the stem of that dark flower. This is where all those little moments of courage pay off because it takes great courage to recognize that all that you have come to understand is but the tip of the iceberg and that the warrior of your longing brings you into the depth and breadth of the true desires of your heart. Remember, the desires of your heart come from your soul. There is nothing advertised on TV that will meet the desires of your heart. Nothing. There never has been and there never will be. This warrior that emerged from the mists, the warrior is the courage to walk this heart path. This warrior is the courage within you to listen to the heart memory. This warrior energy that emerges in your heart is the courage to hear the heart's connection to your destiny. Longing is always present in loneliness. Longing always reminds us of destiny. And all of this can come to you because you had the courage to feel your own loneliness to invite it in as a friend, to allow it to blossom as the dark flower that it is by being willing to feel 
the intricacies of what constructs your loneliness. All of this can open to you because you had the courage to feel your own loneliness. When we are lonely, we are lonely for this part of ourself. We are lonely for the part who reaches for destiny. We are lonely for the part who reaches for union with the true self. Loneliness is nothing more than our own loneliness for the self, the person, the man, the woman, the being that we came here to be. So to be alone is simply to be by oneself. Alone is not necessarily lonely. Alone gives you the chance to feast on your heart's desire, undistracted by the needs and wants of others. Now, we all know that you can feel lonely surrounded by others. And that is uh, perhaps the worst loneliness. We all know that you can feel lonely when you're alone. And we know that you can be alone without feeling lonely. These are all possible realities, and there are many more. Whatever your reality is, feel it. Transform that reality into solitude. Because just because you're alone doesn't mean you found solitude. But whatever your reality is, transform it into solitude. Because only in solitude can you find the time to sit with the dark flower. Your presence, no matter your imperfections, is the sunlight that allows that dark flower to blossom. In that blossoming is the feast, and attending the feast are the parts of yourself you are lonely for. This loneliness for the self is the root of all loneliness, so feast well. Invite every part of yourself you find along this journey to the table and feast on the desires of your heart. Come to know why you are here. Come to know what you will long for, no matter whether every want and every need you've ever had has been met. That longing will still be there because it is the longing of your soul to live its destiny, and there is no substitute. So what if, through this path with loneliness, what if you opened the door and crossed the threshold to the feast and you attended that dark flower, and through your presence that dark flower blossomed, And through that blossoming, your warrior's heart emerged and that longing, the warriorship of longing opened up to you and you were able and ready to move towards your desire. What if you, no matter your history with loneliness, became your own best friend? What if you understood your longings and your heart's desires and held them cherished in your heart. 
What if you understood your weaknesses and your shortcomings and the places you have always let yourself down and you cherished them in your heart? What if you were able to become your own best company? This is what I have learned from supporting hundreds of people integrating many hundreds more of their lost soul parts. That the return of the soul part doesn't cure your loneliness. Now, that's not to say that your loneliness might not be caused by soul loss. It may be. But the return of the part alone doesn't cure your loneliness. It is the love and understanding that you offer your soul part once it is returned that allows that soul part to merge and become whole with you. In other words, it is your willingness to feel what that part feels and to let it go, to know what that part knows and let that filter into your own awareness. It is your willingness to be with that part, to feast with that part, that allows that part to become whole with you. So it is this willingness to love yourself, this part that has returned, and your willingness to release the old story of the loss and separation. So it is this willingness to love and to release that allows integration. That integration is the cure for loneliness. So this path, that unfolds as you allow this dark flower to blossom and follow it and have the courage to meet all of the yous along the way that you did not have the courage to attend to at the time and that you become accountable to each of each part of yourself that you find along the way and invite them to the table and let them to con- let them contribute to your understanding of what your heart's desire truly is Each of these parts can be treated like a lost soul part. It needs your love. It needs release from the old story to allow the integration. And that integration of each of these parts of yourself leads to the cure for loneliness. Loneliness isn't about your relationship with other people. Those relationships, even the ones you don't have, that in your loneliness you desire. Those relationships are only a reflection of the loneliness that you have for your true self and the longing comes out of that same realm as the true self, comes out of that mythic, soulful realm. So loneliness isn't about your relationship with other people. Those relationships are only a reflection. So Chasing that, to try to solve your loneliness by creating other kinds of relationships in your life, thinking of it that way, talking and talking and talking about it in that way in therapy, is to miss the deeper point of your loneliness, that it is your friend saying, come to the feast in your own heart of your own soul's desire and meet the parts of you that you are actually lonely for. You're not lonely for other people. You're lonely lonely for you. 
Loneliness is about your relationship with yourself. Your desire is your innate longing to participate in the world. So this loneliness comes out of a desire for yourself, for that true self that carries that longing for your destiny, because it is your destiny that is your truest, fullest participation in the world, in the phenomenal world. And you see, joy comes from being accountable to these selves abandoned along the way. Joy comes from being accountable to your life, your whole life. When we feel lonely, we are lonely for some part of ourself we have been unaccountable to. When we return to that aspect of ourself, when we love that aspect of ourself, and we release that old story, in doing that, we become accountable. And by becoming accountable, not only do we release our loneliness for that self, but we allow that potential for joy. So this is what I mean when I say, when I see so clearly this image of this dark, luscious, rich flower of your loneliness and this stem that extends from that dark realm under the water into the light and ultimately into the bright ecstasy of union and joy. Because loneliness is about our relationship with union, not the union with others, but the union with ourselves. So when you sit in solitude with yourself, and when you sit in the courage to be with the discomfort of your loneliness, you can find yourself. And when you find yourself and reintegrate with yourself, the loneliness passes. You can cherish that self exactly as he or she is. Not in a romantic or an emotional way. Not like a child hugging a teddy bear. But when you truly cherish that self as he or she is. You, you cherish that self in a way of reverence and honoring. In a way of... Well, the way that you would attend to that warrior self, reverence and honoring, not mushy, huggy, teddy bear love, but to have respect and to honor those parts of yourself who have been separated off from you, who had the courage to sacrifice for the whole that you might survive. And now you circle back round to them and your loneliness is simply the rising up of the memory, the reminder to yourself, I must circle back round. I'd left some parts of myself behind. I'm lonely for their company. I have a feast here in my heart, the feast of my heart's desires. And I need to share that feast with me. I need to share that feast with those parts of myself I need to circle back round to and bring home. And many of those parts of yourself are there for you, accessible through your own visualizations, your own meditation. Not every aspect of yourself 
that leads to your loneliness is a lost soul part. For those that are, go right ahead. Schedule a session with a local shaman. Schedule with me. I do the work long distance. Many shamans do. It's not a challenge to have these parts return to you if you have the courage to feel. If you have the willingness to say, loneliness is not pathology. Loneliness is a friend reminding me I need to circle back around to myself. I need to find those selves that will feast with me on my heart's desires, that I might find my longing there wrapped in that loneliness, right in the heart, in that uh, stamen and pistily part of that dark and beautiful flower that is the seed, that longing that is the seed that connects me to my destiny. So when you sit in yourself and sit in the courage to be with the discomfort of your loneliness, you can find yourself. You can cherish the self that you find in this way of reverence and honoring. And as you move into right relationship with that brave part of yourself, you embrace your truth. You embrace your longing. And you embrace the deep desires of your heart. In that act of warriorship, you claim yourself. And in that claiming of yourself, there is union and there is joy. May you have the courage to invite your loneliness in this season, to allow it to be the guide. May you have the courage to know your loneliness as the longing that connects you to your destiny. So thank you all for listening today. Uh, Next week, our show is going to be about oral traditions in a virtual world. So we're going to explore how oral traditions and the, the need in certain things to be taught through experiential learning, how, how is that the same and different from learning through books, through academia, <coughs> excuse me, through academia or through virtual reality. And you might be surprised about what we have to say because there are certainly things that are similar about learning through virtual reality and learning through experience. And yet there is perhaps one deep and fundamental difference is that virtual reality doesn't give you your soul back. So join us next week for Oral Traditions in a Virtual World. I'd like to give thanks today to each one of you who listened and for your ancestors whose dreaming that brought you to this planet. I give thanks to the ancestors that have circled round with us, to the earth below and the sky above. I give thanks to the heart that unites us all. So there have been some questions about iTunes, and I just want to clarify for everybody along the way here as we made the transition to Co-Creator Network, which we are oh so very happy to have done. As we made that transformation and we created the whyshamanismnow.com website, in all of that and all the technology that involved, we created a situation in iTunes where you need to resubscribe. That's the simplest way to explain it. So if you are an iTunes-type download user, 
Just resubscribe to iTunes and you'll have access to all of the shows dating back to January of 2009 and all the, on all the current shows and all of those going forward. If you don't resubscribe, then you don't have access to the shows since April. You only have access to the old ones. Um, and we're sorry about that. It was not ideal, but it is what happened. And our best solution is just to encourage you to resubscribe to iTunes. If you are a Droid application type user, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and click on the RS feed button. And that will allow you to um, connect to the recent shows. Um, if you would like more information about... Um, long distance healing with me, any of the classes that I offer, or perhaps to purchase the Encyclopedia of Shamanism, my website, the website for Christina Pratt, not for the radio show, is lastmaskcenter.org. L A S T M A S K C E N T E R.org. Lastmaskcenter.org. And I am available to do much of the shamanic healing that I offer um, long distance if necessary. So feel free to go to the website and connect to us through the website. If you have any questions about the show, the show is live and you're welcome to email or call in. And my email address for the show is christina at lastmasscenter.org. So finally, other than one more round of thank you for listening, please share this information with others so that the show grows and more and more people understand about shamanism and its practical application in the world today. Thank you all. Have a great week. 